Welcome to Decision Vision, a podcast series focusing on critical business decisions. Brought to you by Brady Ware and Company. Brady Ware is a regional, full-service accounting and advisory firm that helps businesses and entrepreneurs make visions a reality. And welcome to Decision Vision, a podcast giving you, the listener, clear vision to make great decisions. In each episode, we will discuss the process of decision-making on a different topic. Rather than making recommendations because everyone's circumstances are different, we talk to subject matter experts about how they would recommend thinking about that decision. My name is Mike Blake, and I'm your host for today's program. I'm a director at Brady Ware & Company, a full-service accounting firm based in Dayton, Ohio, with offices in Dayton, Columbus, Ohio, Richmond, Indiana, and Alpharetta, Georgia, which is where we are recording today. Brady Ware is sponsoring this podcast. If you like this podcast, please subscribe on your favorite podcast aggregator, and please consider leaving a review of the podcast as well. So today our discussion is going to be about whether to work with a recruiter when hiring new employees. And, you know, talent acquisition is, is a funny topic because we deal with human beings, and human beings are, for the most part, the most unpredictable things uh, on the planet. And you don't know necessarily what you're going to get when you hire them. You don't even know what you're going to get when you get through the interview process. When you pick a resume, you don't even know what's going to show up and walk through that door. Um, and you know, in an environment now, we have sub-4% unemployment, and talent is uh, not exactly growing on trees. And if you live in the Atlanta area, you can see that just by the traffic that's in the area. You know everybody's back to work because it now takes about an hour to get from Shambly, where I live, to Alpharetta. Um, talent is hard to find. And so the, but the question is, you know, you, you can, of course, go the route where you can try to find talent, quote, for free. And we'll find out just how free free actually is. Or you can, you can pay for help. And here to help us with that conversation is uh, my good friend, my pal, Joanna Chang, who is managing partner and branch manager of creative financial staffing in Atlanta. Uh, prior to joining CFS, she worked for an Atlanta CPA firm in the audit practice for seven years. So you're, she's a recovering CPA just like I'm a recovering investment banker and venture capitalist. Um, she holds a bachelor's degree from Kennesaw State University and is an avid adventure racer. I hope I'm saying that right. CFS is a leading employee-owned accounting and financial staffing firm, the largest one founded by CPA firms. With more than two decades of experience helping companies locate, attract, and hire exceptional accounting and finance professionals, CFS has unique resources to better understand hiring needs, attract higher caliber candidates, and assess candidate potential. Established in 1994, CFS today operates over 30 offices across 21 states and the Caribbean. Serving most major U.S. markets and beyond, CFS connects companies with candidates from entry level to executive level, temporary to direct hire, and project support to interim management. CFS has twice been named to Forbes' list of best professional recruiting firms and twice cited by LinkedIn as one of the most socially engaged staffing agencies. And with that, my pal, Joanna Chang. Joanna, thanks for coming in. Thanks, Mike, for having me. Um, so I got I got to ask this first. You have an office in the Caribbean. I mean, that's just a front for like resort stuff or or does one of your owners live in the Caribbean and that's how they sort of <laughs> minimize their taxes? Um we have an office in Puerto Rico and it's actually a pretty robust practice. Okay. Um e- even in light of recent events. In light of the fact that the island was destroyed. Yeah, yeah there was a year no ago. there was no electricity, yeah. So that is a robust practice. That's interesting. 
Um, well, I mean, I think as of late, they've had some struggles, but again, yeah. from a temporary um, staffing perspective, you know, there certainly continues to be a need for for um, people to kind of fill the gaps. Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. I would not have guessed that. So, I mean, I've I've, I've given out sort of your name, rank, serial number. You're at CFS. You've been there. I think you've been there as long as I've known you. I'm not sure that I knew you when you were an accountant, maybe for six months. Um, I don't know. I, I left public accounting at the end of 2011, joined CFS beginning of 2013. Okay, so it's so, about a couple year overlap, actually. Yeah, but, six years now with CFS, officially. But they locked me down the sixth floor of the building, so they didn't let me out much. Exactly. Um, you know, we were probably like ships in the night. Yes. <laughs> ships in the night that were locked and never allowed to, to Just see Just like when other. I was in audit. You know, it was funny because when I, I was gone for a year from the firm and um, when, I, when I came back, people, you know, I'd run into people and they'd say, oh, I haven't seen you for a while. Have you been out in the field? And I'm like, yeah, you know, I've actually not worked here for a year. But, you know, I'm but back. thanks for noticing. <laughs> like, it's like I just took a, a hiatus. A walkabout. <laughs> right. I was just on a very long audit. <laughs> uh, a self-audit, maybe. We can call it that. So what do you, what do, you do at, at CFS? I mean, it sounds like you're basically the grand poobah, the head honcho, the big cheese. Is that fair? Um, at least for the Atlanta office? Right. Queen of middle management here in Atlanta. Queen uh, of middle management. Yeah. Okay. Um, I, I run the Atlanta office um, for CFS. We're a national firm. And um, so I manage a, a team of recruiters. And um, we are able to help on a temporary or you know, direct hire basis kind of at any level as long as it relates to accounting and finance within the middle market. And how many people do you have on your staff right now? Uh, we have four. We're a team of five. Okay. Team of five. And um, – so as I said, you're a recovering CPA, yes. as I'm a recovering investment banker, et cetera, et cetera, recovering adult. Um, what what made you make that jump? When did you wake up one day and said, yeah, I just can't count stuff anymore. I've got to go be me. You know, it it was really by happenstance. I, you know, I think like many people who come out of public accounting or start to look around, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I didn't know what kind of the next move was. Um, so, you know, ran into, I, I reached out to some recruiters, um, had some less than great experiences, um, met one in particular that had a similar background to mine, had kind of gone up the ranks in public accounting, gone into recruiting, was successful, opened up an office and needed, you know, her first time employee. Um, so, you know, it was just something I decided to try for a year. I mean, I think from the things I enjoyed the most about being in professional services was the networking aspect, the relationship aspect, the um, adding value, and um, of course, being a profit center versus a cost center. Um, so, Boy, I that thought, is huge. Yeah, I thought recruiting could um, kind of be a good segue into that. And worst thing that could happen is go back into accounting. Um, so seven Which years later, so right? Seven years later, it seems to you know, it seems I to be working it's out. Worked. Yeah, I mean, you're you're still gainfully employed, productive member of society, and we haven't had to bust you out of jail. So. Yeah, not yet. Yeah, not yet. So so far, so good. So you, you mentioned um, you mentioned you had some experiences with recruiters that weren't so awesome. I think you mentioned that. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. What's an example of of that when you've had a bad experience yourself? Well, you know, it's interesting. So, for instance, one of the um, part of our process at CFS is we we prefer to meet with our candidates in person, um, just like we like to go on site to our clients, um, just so we can get a you know really good kind of three sixty feel for 
the person and the opportunity and um, find that good fit. Um, so, you know, even before I went into recruiting, I mean, I wanted to meet people. Like, I don't like just virtually knowing people. Um, very, um, I feel like I'm best face-to-face. Um, it was just really interesting to me. I'm, I talked to this recruiter that was, you know, referred to me. And the end of the conversation, it was a great conversation. But by the end of it, I asked, oh, you know, we should meet for coffee. We should, you should probably meet me, make sure I have two eyes and off of my limbs. And, you know, and uh, I mean, he said no. And it, it kind of, it was just, I didn't really know what to think about it. Yeah. Because I felt like I couldn't really adequately work with someone that I had never met in person, um, especially for such a, a big decision, which was a possibly a career change and change of industry. Um, experiences like that made me think, like, there's just got to be a better way. Yeah, I mean, it, it's not like it's a multi-level marketing scheme. I mean, it's right. a serious professional position. And in what you do, you know, every time you recommend a hire to a client, I mean, your reputation is big time on the line with that, isn't it? Yeah. So h- how you could go into that, how you could get behind somebody and put that clout Without meeting the candidate, I, I don't, I'm no recruiter, but I don't see how I could do that either. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I've, we've done hiring together um, in our past lives. And, yeah. um, you know, yeah, I think it's just we don't sell paper. And I, I always say that. And um, I don't know if that really resonates. I think that's a common stereotype among recruiters. Like we just throw a bunch of things out there and we just hope and pray that one of them you know, makes us money. But, I mean, there are people behind these pieces of paper and – I've seen the best of candidates with the worst resumes. I've seen pretty terrible people with really outstanding resumes. And, you know, like that's part of the sniff test. That's why we charge for our services. That's why we have value. Um, And, yeah, and so, you know, so along with that, I also worked with a number of recruiters that provided jobs that were clearly not a match for my background. And so, again, I just kept thinking, like, this doesn't even make sense. Like, this is not a – Hey, I need a job. Here's a job. You want this job? I mean, that just it just didn't make any sense to me. Right. I kept thinking, are you even listening to me? <laughs> and of course, I'd never met these people. So, I mean, I'm like, well, you obviously don't know me from, you know, the next person. Right. Um, so, yeah. So, I think um, probably naively going into uh, recruiting, um, I thought, you know, I could make that just a, a better experience yeah. uh, for people. So... In in your opinion, why do you think your clients hire you? Um, you know, I really – I wish I knew the answer to that. If there was a concrete answer, I would package it and sell it. <laughs> Prospecting would be so easy. Well, how about this? How about instead of instead of you? Because right. I, know, I know you have uh, – you have a humble streak that we will try to break down and destroy over the course of this podcast. Right. But until we get there, why do people hire – you as a profession? Why do they hire somebody like you? Well, initially, I think it's typically out of need. Um, but outside of that, um, I will say that just like anything else, whether it's audit, valuation services, recruiting, I mean, people do business with people they like. Um, I mean, that's something that's very important to me is to develop, to develop sincere relationships with people and to understand people's businesses. Um, hopefully, I think my, my background is helpful um, in some sense. Um, in under, really understanding accounting and finance and what that means to your company um, for specific positions. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's either that or my sparkling personality. I mean, I I think... 
I'm sure it's a healthy combination <laughs> of the two. But you know, a, a thought occurred to me. I'm, I'm going to go off the script a little bit, but not too far. Is that you know, in 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 one respect, what you and I do is very much alike. Mm-hmm. Is that I put together merger and acquisition transactions, and you put together talent acquisition transactions. And in what I do, the reason my clients hire me, I think, is because they either have never been through a transaction or they do it very rarely, right? And the chances are good the other person on the other side of that table has done many transactions, okay? Um, and so they, they're, they're hiring me to kind of leverage the expertise of, say, the 200 transactions I've done into the one that they've done, right? In your world, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that, you know, Hopefully, they're not hiring all that often for the same position. If they are, that's a different issue. If it's just right. a, a merry-go-round, right? right? But you know, in, in an ideal world, you're you're maybe hiring once a year, once every couple of years, or maybe once every few months if you're growing like gangbusters. Mm-hmm. But that's still different from somebody whose job it is to hire people twenty-four or place people to be hired twenty-four-seven. Right? Yes. There's a big advantage to having that to having that expertise and experience in that discussion, isn't there? Well, absolutely. I mean, it's what we do day in and day out, and I think that's what the advantage is. I mean, we're talking to people. We're talking to companies. We're, we have kind of like the pulse on talent. Um, we can see what's available, what's not. And again, you know, I think CFS, you know, one, one thing that we really emphasize is being consultative. I mean, this is hopefully not just a transaction. I mean, this is so important to your business. I mean, um, finding the right controller and not and when I say right controller, I mean not someone who's who understands accounting can do the job, but someone who can help your business take go from A to Z or wherever it is that you want to go, um, that you like and that likes you. I mean that's that's the magic, right? That's what you can't see from the paper. That's what you what you can't see from an online application. And I think that's a fallacy that creates the need, quite honestly. Yeah. People have these experiences. Oh, we we did it ourselves. We found this person. They were perfect on paper. They were perfect in the interview. They showed up and they were crazy. Right. You know, I mean, and you, you go, well, we hear that story all the because time. Because they don't say, you know, on the resume, am, interests, am crazy. Right. Right. It just <laughs> right. Don't, doesn't show up, right? right? And Their representative you, was like, let's keep that, you know. <laughs> let's keep that on the, the down deal, low, yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and often the people have the most polished resumes have them polished because they're they're polishing them frequently. Right. Or they're paying for the polish. <laughs> they're yeah. paying for the polish, yeah. one of the two, right? And you probably develop a spider sense as to, you know, you must develop a sixth sense of some kind. There is um, there is a little bit of that. I yeah. mean, you do get a feel for people. But that feel is um, – that's, I think, the fun part. You know, I think the best part of my job is, you know, really knowing my client, understanding their business, and then meeting somebody. I, I think this happened with you. Meeting someone and going, hey, you know, I just met this person and I just think you should really talk to them. Like I think they may yeah. be a good fit for your group. That's true. I had almost forgotten I was actually a client of yours. Yes. <laughs> um, and, you know, when that works and it – those types of situations more than often does, I mean it's a good feeling. You know, because you just feel like all the stars aligned and, um, you know, maybe you're good at your job. <laughs> and that and that hire worked out. I mean, he he stayed longer than I did, so <laughs> by a lot. So I really can't disagree with that. So, um, do you have? Can you point to like a favorite success story of yours where you really helped a company, or even maybe helped a candidate out? 
you know, I can think of a lot of stories, but I think one thing, um, in fact, I had lunch today with a candidate um, that was a relocation candidate. It's a really tough, unusual um, position. Um, it was like on the request of one of my favorite clients and the process was painful and, you know, it was hard because I don't think either, like we didn't really, we didn't know what we were looking for until we found it. Um, but, you know, when talking to that candidate today and how happy they are and what they've been able to achieve and the time um, they've been at the company, um, I don't know, it just made, you know, it's, that's, that's what makes me wake up and do what I do. And, and in fact, um, that client um, is one of my adventure race buddies. Really? So um, I've recruited for them since their, their inception, inception as a startup um, to you know, now a very successful business. And that's something I'm very proud of. So in addition to running away from alligators and copperhead snakes and jumping over quicksand, yeah, you're so doing that. Now we throw ourselves in the briar patches and, um, and the like, yes. So That's real trust. Like, yeah. That's when you trust your yeah, – <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> Your service provider. It is. I, I don't know that anybody <laughs> trusts me to lead them through an alligator copperhead infested Oh, I didn't swamp. say I led. I'm just, you know, but I'm there. <laughs> you won't necessarily shove their head under the water right. if something bad happens. Right. I would put a stick between my client and the alligator. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, so let me, let me ask you – I'm going to ask you this in a very smart aleck kind of way. Okay. Why haven't you been replaced by websites? They've been all over the – they've come and gone, monster, hot jobs, career builder, Yahoo well, jobs. And again, they all have their place and they yeah. certainly have their success. And we leverage that technology. Um, we partner, in fact, um, with some of these companies. Is that right? Um, and, 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 you know, as our vendors. But again, it just goes back to the relationship. I mean – Valuation. I mean, can't we just make a calculator and plug in some assumptions? There are and, people that are saying that. Yeah, come up with a number or a multiple and go, this is the, you know, that's not the point. That's not, um, I don't think that's how the world works. I mean, we're not, people aren't widgets. Talent, you know, it can't be manufactured. It's so interesting because I think, especially within accounting and finance, I mean, people just think, oh, well, I just need a CPA or I just need an AP clerk. And I don't know. It's just like, it's just like anything else. Say, think about you in any job that you've ever had. Okay, think about, and I don't know. Maybe people have just been very lucky and loved everywhere that they worked and loved the people, and they love those people love them. But you know, I've been in several situations where I was I could do the job, I did it well, I just you know didn't like it. Yeah. Or they didn't like me, and that's that's what doesn't work, right? I mean. Middle market in particular is really attractive to me. Um, one, because that's all I know professionally. Um, but two, it's, you know, like these businesses are often someone's baby. I mean, they're trying to achieve a very specific goal. They're not looking for workers. They're looking for partners. They're looking for people who want to be part of this team. They want um, people to help like drive their passion to do whatever it is they want to do with this business. And that just can never be measured by a machine. And I may be eating my own words when Skynet takes over the world. But um, as for now, I think, you know, my job is safe. Well, you know, I, 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 think, there's, I think there's truth to that. It's interesting you bring up the valuation part because much of my industry is being replaced by websites. I, mean, I, I don't think my children would have any interest in doing what I do. But if they did, I don't think there's a job there necessarily for them. And – 
you know, we have to move towards uh, an advisory position. And I tell people, if, if you want evaluation, here's a website that you can just go get a McValuation done. And if that's good enough for you, then do that. I right? like that, McValuation. If, if, on the other hand, you want to learn something about the business that you didn't already know, right, that technology is not, is not out there yet. And I think, I sense that's a very similar kind of conversation, at least implicit conversation. Yeah, well, advisory, consultative, it's all the same thing, right? I think people aren't looking for an answer. I mean, the answer in valuation isn't the number. It's, can I achieve my goal? Right. What are your thoughts on that? Do you have any advice for me? Um, what do you think? And um, those are the types of questions and um, you know, that's the type of insight I think I can provide to my clients. You know, what should the salary reasonably be? Is this reasonable? Um, like, you know, historically, like this is back person's background. Is this this is make sense? Yeah. Is this a fit? Um, and we can talk through all of those things. I mean, again, it's not a perfect science. I mean, I think that's one thing um, that's always really resonated with me um, just professionally is um, – and accounting and all things. And I think you, you, I remember you saying this many years ago, but sometimes we are looking into a crystal ball. I mean, there's no, it's just not a binary world. And there's no right or wrong. I mean, the perfect, you know, everything could go perfect in the hiring process and it could be the perfect candidate, but something can happen. And you have to, all, all recruiting is, or, um, Financial reporting is just trying to control and assess and analyze enough of the variables to, you know, hopefully ensure success or some type of predictable outcome. Um, but there's no guarantees. So let's look at do, do large companies that have their own in-house HR departments, do they also use recruiters or do they typically bring that whole function in-house? And Oh, no. They absolutely use recruiters. They do? Okay. Yeah. Um, so we we tend to shy away from um, large multi, you know HR departments um, for that reason. It's just a lot lot more cooks in the kitchen than than needed. Okay. You know, we prefer to work directly with hiring managers um, and get a better sense of what that position is. Now, not saying that HR um, isn't our ally, and we certainly want to work through their process, but. You know, something like a Fortune 100 company is just a completely different beast. And I think if, you know, again, creative financial staffing just specifically, like we we don't typically serve that large of a company. I mean, we probably aren't the best resource. We're not, um, you know, as willing to go and work with a VMS system where, again, you know, in many ways, it's selling paper. You're What's the VMS system? Vendor management systems. Oh, okay. yep. um, where you have to upload resumes and something – probably a robot, um, is looking for keywords. You know, again, anyone can do that. I mean, it just makes no sense to me. Like, I could put CPA controller manufacturing expert on a piece of paper right. and have that picked up. Um, but is that the right candidate for your job? I mean, maybe, maybe not. But I'll tell you, like, that, the effort and cost to go through all of that um, doesn't really make sense for our model. Now, Hiring somebody today is a big commitment, and it's not just a big commitment economically, but to some extent, it's a big commitment legally. And you can't you can't just hire completely whatever your whim takes you. Right? There's certain processes, certain 
standards of fairness that, that we have to observe both from a moral standpoint and a legal standpoint. Is that something that you also can help a company navigate to make sure it doesn't absolutely step in something oh, <laughs> during absolutely. the hiring process? Have and you I, saved somebody's bacon doing that? Well, I mean, and I won't use any specific examples here, but I think in sm- especially smaller businesses or owner-operating bus- owner-operated businesses, people just don't know what they don't know. I mean, it's you know purely out of ignorance, not out of um, spite. Right. Um, but yes, I mean, there will be certain things discussed that we're like, yeah, we can't, like, we can't have that, like, that can't be a variable. Right. You can't right? ask that question. <laughs> right. Don't, or don't ask that question. Right. Um, so, yes. And, you know, and from a hiring liability perspective, I mean, you know, I think we do our diligence as well as kind of anyone else, right? You've got to do your kind of reference checks, background checks, and, um, you know, technology has certainly been very helpful in that, that it's, you know, more difficult now, I think, to kind of hide some of your, you know, um, educational or criminal skeletons than um, maybe you could have in the past. Now, 10 years ago, we saw, we saw remember, the, uh, the job market was, to use a technical term, in the toilet. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think firms were even using recruiters then. Right. Even in times where there's ostensibly a much more rich labor pool from which to select talent. Why do you think, why do you think that is? Well, again, your needs are your needs. Um, you know, very often that looks and smells a certain way. So the question to yourself is risk, like, was return um, and your effort. Like, you, like your company, your people, your internal efforts, um, that's going to cost you um, money to kind of source and, like, go through kind of all the – just all the bodies. Or you can – you could outsource that function to someone who does it every day. I mean, again, good economy, bad economy um, – Businesses have to operate. Um, everyone's always looking for talent in some respect, um, whether that's from a project basis or a direct hire. And I think that each economy de- has different demands, and that's why recruiting has kind of been able to navigate these different, um, you know, these different cycles. So we hear a lot. At least I hear a lot, and I'm sure others do about about different models where one one fee model is contingency based. The other is retained search, basically. Can you explain kind of the difference between the two? And and from a customer's perspective, what do you think the pros and cons are of each? CFS is a contingency model. Um, So we – I always like to say I work for free. Um, I get paid upon my success and I really enjoy that aspect of what I do. Um, Retained search is different in the sense that you pay a fee – regardless of outcome in some respects. And um, those are typically very specialized positions, more difficult to find positions, I mean national, like national, international searches. Um, so pros and cons, you know, contingency, I mean, the pro is, again, you can get a lot of recruiters working for you for free. They're out there kind of kicking bushes and doing all the legwork and um, hopefully bringing you the best of the best and you can make a hire and best recruiter wins. Okay. Um, the con is those recruiters are working on many different other contingent <laughs> searches and, you know, you may not be their sole fo- focus. Um, or there could be other drivers of why um, you're not seeing what you think you should be seeing from a caliber of candidate or a, ma- a quantity of candidates or whatever it is. Um, from a retained search perspective, I mean, that's a dedi- that typically should be a dedicated effort. I mean, they want not only to, you know, 
take your money, but you know, they do want to earn it. I, I can't, I'm a little biased because I've never worked in the uh, retained search model. Um, I think the, the only thing I can think of is, you know, everyone has to make money and it just makes me wonder sometimes the bandwidth of recruiters, even within the retained model, um, like how much time are they you know, truly dedicating to your search? I mean, that's something to think about. But yeah. again, you got to use who you know, use who you trust, right? Yeah. That's the way it goes. What's a, what is a stereotype about, about your industry or people in your industry that we should dispel? What do most people think about what you do that's just wrong? I'm a big advocate of the saying that stereotypes come from somewhere. Okay. Okay. I mean, I think one of the reasons I became a recruiter is because I had terrible experience with recruiters. And, you, you know, I continue to kind of hear those stories, um, you know, often. So, you know, it's a, it, recruiting is a sales job. I, mean, I think that's twice over the reality. Um, that's the reality of this job. And I, what I'd like to dispel is that we're like used car salesmen and we're just throwing bodies at companies and just walking away with a check. Um, Wish were that easy, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that would be great. Because, um, you know, that's the issue is that does happen. And that is – there's a reason why recruiters can have a bad reputation. But what I would encourage people to think about is, you know, there are good recruiters just like there are good accountants, like good doctors, good lawyers, good valuation experts, um, people who, you know, hopefully kind of care a little bit more, who um, take pride in what they do um, and really stand behind, you know, their business. Um, so – and also, too, I think have the luxury to say that – you know, as a privately held company, like we certainly are motivated a little bit differently than maybe some of our larger publicly traded competitors. And they're just – they're driven by a different um, – you know, they need a different outcome. Than well, they they're going to be driven – they have to be driven by a quarterly number. Right? right. They have to have 90 days of view ahead of them. And then after that, they'll worry about the next 90 days. There's just a reality to yeah, that. that's right. That's what – because that's what shareholders are telling them that they want them to do. Right. How does a company best work with with you? Uh, like you, I'm in the service business. But it, there are certain conditions in my business where if the client does certain things, they make my job a lot easier and the likelihood of a positive outcome that much greater. Right. right? For a company to maximize your effectiveness, what should they, they be prepared to do on your end as part of that partnership to give the best chance of securing that, that great outcome? Just being available. I think that's um, number one. Um, and what does that mean exactly? You know, I think we're in this hyper busy world. And um, especially when you're a man short or you're, um, you need an extra pair of hands, um, you're busier than ever. And that's what, you know, is, that drives the backbone of my business. Um, that being said, if you are truly looking for the right fit, you'll spend the upfront time to invest in speaking with me. So I can learn about your business. You'll make time for me to come visit and talk to me in person and show me around. And um, and when we make our recommendations, really take the time to listen and discuss and ask questions. Um, you know, I think that's the best way to work with a recruiter. Like we're, you know, again, not selling paper. I mean, there, there are people here. There's a reason why I'm making a recommendation. If I'm not if you don't have the time to talk to me about it, it's very hard for me to help you. I mean, so I'm often thinking, like, help me help you. Yeah. You know, like, I know you're busy, but, like, we've got to talk about this. And 
we've got to make time because um, I think busy is a choice. Um, yeah, I think, you know, I would imagine in, in your world, there are clients that look at you and say, oh, you know, thank God. I can just hand this entire thing off to Joanna. She'll go away for whatever period of time, and she'll just come back with a magical unicorn. Magical unicorn, yep. right? Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe you'll come back with a magical unicorn. But if if they don't just sort of throw the thing over the wall, that's more likely to happen, right? Right. Yeah, exactly. And that's exactly right. Um, I think what happens a lot in recruiting especially when you're working with many firms who will just take a general job description and kind of run with it. It's like, again, these are people. They're unique. They're, you know, we, you know, I do actually use that term in my office as we hunt for unicorns. And so, you know, something that like uh, a purple unicorn with a gold horn is very different than the green speckled one, right? So when you show up with the pink one with, you know, orange sprinkles and you go, that's not what I wanted at all. Um, it sounds like a very mythical place to work, by the way. <laughs> it's a magical land. It sounds like it. Um, I mean, again, it just comes down to information. And that's what I typically um, advise my clients, especially when I first work with them, is say, hey, you know, we present candidates in very small rounds. We like to discuss um, their backgrounds with you um, and, you know, discuss why we think they would be a fit and why you should consider um, them for hire. Um, and if we're completely off target, then someone is missing information. Or someone, or maybe we we don't know what we're looking for yet, and I, I see that a lot as well. Is sometimes people think they they need these ten bullet points, and you go, well, yes, and but this unicorn has six of those, and you don't even need the other four. Um, but until you have that conversation and kind of kind of work through that process, um, you kind of don't know what you don't know. And then maybe it turns out you don't need a unicorn, just a really nice horse. Exactly. Will do. Yeah, with a party hat on. <laughs> with a party hat yeah. on. Um, so, last question, and then, then we got to wrap up. But um, I think a lot of people miss the fact that you know, recruiting is an active job. As when, when we call you a recruiter, that's an action related noun. Recruit to recruit is, is active, as opposed to just sort of you know, posting a job and waiting for resumes to fill in. And, you know, a question that I've always had, just been kind of curious about is when you recruit somebody who wasn't necessarily looking for a job at that time, how do you kind of gauge or kind of verify that that person's really invested in the process and that if, if they do kind of make it through your vetting process, you're going to present them to the client, that, you know, they're going there as a fully invested candidate and not just sort of as a hired gun that – might be recruited away from them two years later. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, and you say that in like the tightest labor market we've seen in many years. Right. And I mean, I think that, you know, in some respects is the new normal, this poaching um, or the temptation to, to jump um, for, you know, what it is when times are good. Um, you know, I think people are always open to opportunity. Um, you know, again, we can't see into the future. I don't know if someone's going to leave um, in two years or 20. Um, all we can assess now is, you know, factors causing them to be open to opportunities. Like, why are they looking? Why would they want your job? Why would they, why would they want to work here? Why would, they, why would they stay? You know, I think, and too, overriding all of that is something that um, is mentioned, but it's probably not discussed as much as it should, which is um, retention. Uh, whose job is it to retain these employees? Is it the recruiter's job? 
Doesn't sound like it because your job is not your job description is not retainer. Right. So um, that's something I always think about. Um, you know, and I will say this. I mean, generally speaking, you know, for instance, there are definitely companies that are known for extremely high turnover. And those are companies we tend to shy away from or we will provide, you know, staffing on a project basis. But it's hard for us to put, you know, I always say it's hard for us to put A people in kind of a, you know, a C company. It's hard for us to put C people in A company. It's the same, it's the same thing. It doesn't work. Um, so, yeah, I mean, my advice um, in terms of choosing a recruiter also says, hey, yeah, there's a cost to that. Um, there's a benefit. There, there could be um, some risk associated with it. But what are we doing as a company to retain those, um, retain that talent? Because you can get them in the door, but keeping them is that goes beyond my job. Sure. You know? And I think that even that's pervasive in recruiting. People switch firms all the time. Um, one thing that you know attracted me to CFS and kind of holds true in my experience is you know, our tenure um, of employees is unusually long for our industry. Um, and I do think that says something in a, in a positive way. Well, th- this has been great. We've got a lot of, of, of great information and great insights. Um, but I'm, we can't cover everything that we'd like to cover in a half-an-hour podcast. So if somebody wants to ask you some questions, reach out to you, follow up, can they do that? Yeah, absolutely. So how, how would they reach you? Um, I'm on LinkedIn. Um, so Joanna Nash. Chang. <laughs> <laughs> With um, you know, apparently not enough um, of my background, <laughs> I'll, I'll let you answer that. Yes, well, it was it was it was background light. We'll just say you use social media judiciously, right? And Chang is spelled C H E N G. Yes, correct. So, um, and our uh, website cfstaffing.com, dot um, It will have our you know our company number. You're welcome to give us a shout, shoot us an email. Um, happy to see how we can be a resource for you. Okay, very good. Well, that's going to wrap it up for today's program. I'd like to thank Joanna Chang so much for joining us and sharing her expertise with us. We'll be exploring a new topic each week, so please tune in so that when you're faced with your next business decision, you have clear vision when making it. If you enjoy these podcasts, please consider leaving a review with your favorite podcast aggregator. It helps people find us so that we can help them. Once again, this is Mike Blake. Our sponsor is Brady Ware & Company, and this has been the Decision Vision Podcast.